give God some praise this morning. He is worthy of all of our praise. He's the one that we want to live for. Not for ourselves, not for our spouse, not for our children, not for the world, not for our jobs. Jesus is the one worth living for. You can have a seat, please, as we continue this morning. There are children's lives around the world right now that are linked to our story and that we're linked to their story through what Samaritan's First and Operation Christmas Child makes reality. The church can sometimes think that it's all about what I'm doing inside my walls. And so part of what this allows us to do is connect in the larger church. We are opening doors for other churches and other parts of the world to do ministry in their local community. The shoebox opens a door. It's more than the box. It's church planting. It's community transformation. Beyond the shoeboxes, the greatest journey disciples them and nurtures them. One church can only do so much, but the church sharing a common vision allow for us to connect across the nations to reach people that no one church could ever reach by themselves. There's a real story on the other end of that box, and so why wouldn't you want to be a part of a story like this? We are so excited to be a part of the Operation Christmas Child this year. Uh, many of you have taken the boxes that we've had in the foyer, and there are still a few left, and we want to get rid of those as well because it is an opportunity for us to really bring back those boxes and send a gift to children overseas that don't have things that we have and that they look forward to every year. You want to make sure that you bring those boxes back the next two Sundays, November 8th or November 15th. They need to be in for sure by the 15th so that we can get them shipped off in time for them to have a Christmas present. So thank you ahead of time for all of you that have taken those boxes. Please take one if you haven't done that already. This coming Wednesday, we're excited again because we have our Clubhouse Kids going on. We have our Connect students and we have our small groups. And um, the first uh, Wednesday of every month, we provide a dinner by donation in our gymnasium. For those of you that are just rushing from work, don't feel like cooking. We have a great meal provided, I believe it's at 530. Um, at 5.30 so that you guys can just come from work. Don't have to worry about cooking that first uh, Wednesday of the month. Come over and uh, have some food and then come on in and get connected with what we have going on here Wednesday nights. And so what you want to do is just sign up at the Welcome Center or you can go online um, to sign up as well. So just so that we can have a head count for making sure that we feed everybody. This coming Saturday, November 7th, we have a seminar. It's called Grieving Through the Holidays. Um, Self-explanatory, and um, Al Finney is going to be presenting that. If you're interested, please sign up at the Welcome Center as well. But that is this coming Saturday. Okay, it is Christmas time in our minds. We have our musical, The Humbug is what it's called. And it is an awesome musical about a man uh, set in the 1950s who um, his hero is Scrooge. And you can imagine what that's all about. But then a little shine boy shows him what the true miracle of Christmas is. It's like a Broadway musical. It's something that's exciting and fun put on by our own people. Tickets are on sale today. They start today. They are $5. Um, it is a dessert musical. So this year, you're going to watch the musical, and then you head over to our winter wonderland in the gym and have an awesome dessert bar and just kind of hang out um, after that. So today, they start being on sale. They're $5. Pick up some to, you know, it's not a big price, so pick up a few and just hand them out to people that you know need Jesus through the holiday season that it can really change their lives. Any questions, you can let them know in the back. Also, part of that is um, our gingerbread houses. Dan has a gingerbread house here. We're going to have a contest. We're going to decorate our gym. It's going to be a gingerbread wonderland. Savannah is showing us what you guys can be participating in. We have 30 of these gingerbread houses, and we need you to take, them, take one as a family and go all out and decorate it. Um, Jeanette Edmondson put a sample out in the foyer that you can take a look at. We're going to have a contest, and it's going to decorate our gymnasium. Now, I will tell you that if you only use what's in the box for decorations, you will lose. 
because I know what this church is all about when it comes to contests. You can embellish it the way that you want it, but we want it to be a time for your family to just sit around the table, decorate a gingerbread house, and um, bring it back to us. There are 30 of them that we need to get out. I think December 6th is a date. You can take a look in your bulletin. But again, it's a way of just getting your family together and also helping us to decorate the gym this year. So if you have any questions, again, please stop at the Welcome Center. If it's your first time here visiting us, also stop there because we have a gift for you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, Rhonda. I saw Jeanette's uh, gingerbread house out there. It's gorgeous. Man, these people are going to really have to work hard to surpass what you did. Well, it's so good to see you in the Lord's house today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. amen. Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you somewhere and find that little black folder. As soon as you find that, put your name on that, your information, give it to a person uh, sitting next to you. We'll appreciate that. Thank you much. Not only do we have all of these things which Rhonda mentioned, next Sunday we start our birthday gift to Jesus offering here in our church. Many years ago, we started this and we thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to give something special at Christmas uh, to somebody that's in real need, a missionary. Let's make it a missionary office, offering. And we took an offering up. We were in the little old building over in South Park. $386 we had, we didn't even know a missionary. Oh, just a few people were in the church. We read about a missionary that had an accident, a terrible car accident in Mexico. And we thought, boy, that'd be, a, that'd be really nice to send him that money. Well, we've been sending him money ever since, over 40 years. Uh, now we have a big list, and I want to ask you to take this home and to pray over every item of it. Take one of these projects for your own. Have a family meeting and say, hey, listen, which one of these projects can we take on for Christmas? Uh, how, or can we take half of it on? We're going to need everybody to participate. The reason we do this is because what we want to do is, is be givers and not takers. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. God loves these missionaries. We want to be a part of the excitement of their Christmas. We do that by praying about our part. Lord, what would you have me, me to do? Secondly, uh, and this is the key, put Jesus at the top of your Christmas list. Give more to him than any other single person on your Christmas list. Now, you can give to anybody you want to, but put Christ at the top. Then give by faith. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'd love to give to that, but I, don't, I just don't have any extra money. Well, in that case, what we do is we ask the Lord to send us some so that we can give it. And every year, we kind of have like little miracles taking place all across the church. God's sending in money that came from we don't know where, His hand, so that people could give to this project. These are real people. I counted the ones that were affiliated with our church through the years. There's quite a few. We'll talk about them later. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you every Sunday for your financial participation in the service. We know that some people give online. Uh, some people send their gifts into the church through the mail. Others come and bring them here in the service. And, and, but it all comes from the same place. It comes from God. God gives us everything. Every single thing we have comes from the hand of God. And so now we want to thank him that we can give for his work. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and how you take care of us, how you've given us a strength to go to work, uh, a way to make a living for our family. Uh, and now, Lord, we come to make a living for your spiritual family up here on the hill. We pray that you'll pour out your blessings upon every gift and every giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, oh. 
just a moment. As the band starts to move into the next song, I just want you to, right there where you're at, just give Jesus some praise in your seats. Just thank Him for being all that we need. We don't need anything else. There is no one higher than Jesus, no one higher than God that we can worship, that we can lay our burdens down, that we can just talk with every day. His love is so unconditional. In a world where love is conditional, He unconditionally loves you. He unconditionally loves me more than anything could possibly happen. And so I want you to spend a few minutes. Just praise God right where you're at. Just ask Him to get your heart in tune with His and worship.
7. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Prayer is the way we talk to God. Prayer is openness. Prayer is freedom. Prayer is for the brokenhearted. Prayer is for the sick. Prayer is for the hungry. Prayer is for the children. Prayer is for the old. Prayer is for the joyful. Prayer is free. Prayer is God's gift to us. Accept it, use it, and believe it. Prayer works. We're continuing our series on prayer. We've been looking at how, to, how do we really connect with God through prayer. If you have your Bibles, head over to Matthew chapter 6. That's uh, where, we, where we started out last week. And um, as you're heading over there, I'd just like to share with you about a, uh, about a little statement I was reading. It says, uh, go to church and you might live longer. Is that something that you might have heard from your grandmother, you know? Go to church, eat your vegetables, and you might live longer, right? Uh, but uh, this here is uh, from a study from Yeshiva University. And uh, it, it basically says that, um, that it revealed that consistently participating in church activities, being in church services, can lower your mortality risk by about 20%. Now, could you imagine that? We'll go out and tell everybody, hey, come to church next week. You're going to live 20% longer, you know? Wouldn't that be kind of a fun way to really spread the word? Um, and, and this is really, this is a scientific research from Yeshiva University. And he says here, uh, this, the fellow who is the, the, the guy ahead of the study, Dr. Schnall, he says this, Interestingly, the protection against mortality provided by religion cannot be entirely explained by expected factors that include enhanced social support or friends or family, uh, lifestyle choices, and, and reduced abuse to the body. None of those things attributed to it. Dr. Schnell, he further says this. He says, there is something here that we don't quite understand. Uh, it is always possible that some unknown or unmeasured uh, factors confounded these results. And then he adds this. There is something about worshiping God that gives us life. It is what we were made to do. And I thought, how interesting from Yeshiva University, just doing a scientific study about people who attend church and their lifespan. And here, here we're finding that even, even somebody who's not necessarily connected to God says that there's something about worshiping God that gives us life. It is what we were made to do. And that's why we've been spending some time talking about the Lord's Prayer here. We started out last week, and uh, we, talked, we said that you know, Jesus' disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. Uh, how, do you, how do you pray? And so, so Jesus taught him how to pray, and it was a real simple way to pray. Um, and he, gave, he gives the Lord's Prayer there, what we know is the Lord's Prayer. He talked, he said, don't, uh, don't be an insincere, insincere prayer. Don't be the person who's praying out loud on the street corners just to be seen by men. And he wasn't attacking public prayer. He's saying, don't be an insincere prayer. Get alone with God. Go into the, in, in, into the secret place with God. And even this morning, I want to encourage you that you can go alone. You can get alone with God even in a room filled with people like this. You get in, into that secret place with God, and He knows your name. And you get to have this communion with Him. You get to have this, develop this relationship with Him. So let's pick up on chapter, uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. And uh, we'll, we'll continue here. Let's, uh, let's just read this prayer together. This is what Jesus, when the, when the disciples were asked, Jesus told them this is the prayer. And it, again, it's not something that we're supposed to necessarily just recite all the time. But it's a, a way of teaching. So let's just read this together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we get to have this relationship, our Father, who art in heaven. We get to call the God of the universe. We get to come into His presence, and you're not praying, praying to some being. You're not praying to some power. You are praying to our Father. It denotes a personal relationship. So you get to have a relationship with our Father, and He's in heaven. He's all-powerful, almighty, and then we talked last week about hallowed be 
his name. How do we hallow his name? That's kind of a word that we don't use anymore. We make his name mighty. We make his name big. We make it great. And, uh, and when we come into prayer, that is the beginning. We get to come, remember who we're talking to, our Father in heaven. You are great. You are awesome. You are big. You have all power. And yet I get to call you daddy. He's the father that I, that I always wanted. He is the, the dad that you never knew you had. And, and so as we walk into his presence, we're able to sit and talk with him and have this conversation. But I find that there are many things in life that jump me off the track. You know, you think of life as going down the track, and there are things that come into our way that just jump us off the track. A few of those things that, that, uh, that we can misinterpret life. Uh, we need to have a reality adjustment. You know, sometimes I look at life and I see a negative thing that has happened. And I see a circumstance. I see things that have happened to me in my life. And, and you, you do this too. Or we, we, we look and we say, wow, these are the negative things that have happened. And, and I look and I, and yes, many of them are really bad. A lot of negative things that have happened. But I need to have a reality adjustment. Because not everything, not everything is as it seems. You know, I look, you look, at, you look at life and you, you see a circumstance. Not everything is as it seems. Because I'm looking from the small picture God has a bigger picture, and God has a plan for your life. Uh, we need to have a reality, reality adjustment because life is filled with disappointments. Um, the first disappointment, disappointment number one is this, circumstances that are beyond our control. You know, when you think about circumstances that you just can't control, we, we tend to get restless, we tend to struggle in that mode of life because there's things that you just can't fix, things that you just can't control. Um, have you ever found yourself sitting in traffic? And you're just upset because you can't get through the traffic, you know? I, I, I don't know about you, but I have that impatient problem behind the wheel. Uh, the other day, we had an appointment to go see my in-laws. And we were going to dinner with the in-laws. And, and, you know, when you go to dinner with the in-laws, you have to be on time. I just want to let you know that. That's just a, a little issue that we have. So we're, we're on time, but we hit all this traffic on the way. And so we're heading out to Washington, PA here. And we're into, into all this traffic and as we're dealing with this traffic, I'm sitting here and I'm like losing my mind. Because we're, we're sending a text off to the in-laws, right? And the in-laws are like, well, hurry up. Get here, right? But, uh, you know, and, and they're as impatient and as waiting as I am sitting in traffic. And so we, we go through this thing. And, and, you know, that's just a small, small way of looking at life. That's a small thing as uh, uh, sitting in traffic. But there are certainly much bigger issues. Uncontrolled circumstances like the economy like a loss of a job, like an illness, natural disasters. I mean, all these things that we have to deal with, there's so many things that happen in your life that you cannot control. Uh, maybe for, for me, it was growing up in, in, my, uh, with my, in my home, and there were things in our home that I could not control. I was just a kid. I couldn't control those situations. So those things tend to jump us off the track. We, we say, all right, God, you're, you're God, and you're this big God, but I'm living here, and Boy, this thing really tripped me up. Oh, man, we're dealing with this illness. We're dealing with this, this economic situation. Uh, here's another thing. Is disappointment number two is people. You know, uh, people will disappoint you all the time. But uh, there are those people in your life that just seem to not go along with the program. I don't know if you have any of them in your life. You know, maybe in your family, you're thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. And for many people, that's a great time. And for other people, that's uh, not a great time. Because there's that, you know, that, that awkward person in the family, the person that's just going to cause a lot of problems, and you're thinking about those type of situations. Uh, we, we have uh, people will give us problems. How about in your office? could be somebody in the office or at your work, wherever you work. That person who just gets under your skin. That person who is so uncooperative, unhappy, just a negative person all the time. Uh, life, you know, nothing is good enough for that person. Uh, they're unhappy, uh, cranky people, if you will. And so we have those people in our life. Um, how about disappointment number three is the unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. I have my own, what I think I ought to be doing in my life. Uh, you know, have you ever said to yourself, wow, I thought that I would have been in a different position at this point in my life. I would have thought that here in my 40s, I would have had this in my career. I would have thought this. And so we look back at life, and life has, ha has been challenging. Things didn't go the way we planned. We planned for them to be good. And it didn't go good. 
And so I have these expectations, and I have all these unmet expectations. And, and there's things that I put on myself that, that I have not even attained. I haven't even met my expectations. I, I, I want certain things, and I just haven't gotten there. These are the things that jump us off the track. And these are the things that w- the reason why we need to come to God in prayer so that we can learn to pray like Jesus did. And look here, Matthew 6, 10 is the next, pot, the next part that will really help us with these things. Let's read this together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. So as, as I'm praying and I'm giving this to God, I'm saying your kingdom come. Do you realize what I'm saying? I'm submitting my will to God's will. I'm submitting what has happened in my life to, to God. And I'm coming before God and I'm saying, I'm going to submit my life and my will to what your will is, to what you want to be done. And when you think about a kingdom, uh, God's kingdom, the first point in your notes here is that God's kingdom is not of this world. God's kingdom is not of this world. Um, at, at that point there, when the disciples were hearing this, uh, the, the nation of Israel was under Roman oppression. And as they were sitting there under the, uh, under the Roman oppression, uh, these, it was a negative situation. It, it was not a good political situation. And so these people are, are dealing with, with the challenge of life, and they are expecting the king. They're expecting Jesus to be the king. Remember, on Palm Sunday, whenever they waved the palm branches for Jesus, uh, they were hoping for the king to, to bring uh, freedom from this oppression. Uh, you look through the Old Testament, there were so many messianic promises about the king, the coming king. And one day, Jesus will fulfill all those as the coming king. But the kingdom here, he's not talking about the fulfillment of a messianic promise where Jesus will be a political leader. And I, I just want to thank God today that, 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 that his kingdom is not political. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? It, it's, not, it's not political. Look here, uh, John 18.36 says this, Jesus said, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would keep to fight me. My followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. He wasn't, this, this one about establishing a, a political realm. I'm so thankful that no matter who's in office, Jesus is in charge. Amen? Jesus is in charge. He is the only hope for our country. He's the only hope for our world is a relationship with Jesus. Whoever we put in office, that's going to come and go. Jesus wasn't about trying to come and establish a political kingdom. Well, the, the Scripture also tells us that it's, that it's not just talk. Look here, 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Um, so you ever get around some people that kind of know all the right things about church, all the right things about Christianity, but they haven't had their life changed. Their life just hasn't been transformed. The, pow- the transformational power of Christ has not affected them because they've just made it all about talk. And here we see the apostle gives us here that th- this is not about talk. It's not just a creed. It's not just a catechism. It is about a power. And the kingdom of God is a transformational power. Um, that will change your life. The power of God unto salvation. The power of God to transform my life. And many people, that's all they have is words. They have a creed and, and they know the right, the, li- the right language, but they've missed the power. The power of the kingdom because it has to deal with submission. I'm coming before God and I'm praying, not my will, but your will, Lord. I'm praying that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not something physical. It's not an earthly thing. But it is right living, righteousness, right living. It is peace and joy. Look at that, peace and joy. The kingdom of God in my life is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Thy kingdom come. When you think of a kingdom, you think you think of a, uh, the reign of a king. You know, we don't often use that word a whole lot. I don't go home to my wife and say, honey, how was your kingdom today? You know, uh, you, you have to have a king to be in charge of the kingdom. And I like to think that I'm king of the house, right? And so that doesn't work either, does it? You know, uh, you know I don't come home from work and my wife says, the kingdom is ready for you, honey. No, 
But Jesus is the ultimate king. He is the king. And every king must have a kingdom. It's his realm. It's where he has power. It's where he is in, in charge, where he's the boss. Um, and that's really what is happening in our life. We're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, your will be done in my life. It's what the king wants. Have you ever noticed that what, what I want and what the king wants are quite often two different things? Uh, I, you know, I have my desire, I have my plans, I have my will. And prayer is not about me coming to God and saying, God, this is how you ought to run my life. It's really about me coming before God and saying, God, how will you run my life? See, it's a submission. I'm submitting to God. I'm submitting to the king of the universe. And I'm saying, not my will, but your will be done. Um, it, here, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's, it's kind of repeating itself. It's, it, there's a big emphasis here. Your kingdom come, okay? That's, the king is in charge of the kingdom. Um, your will be done. It's a, it, it's a powerful statement. So when we're coming to God and we're praying that, we're saying, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done. It's I'm submitting. I, I'm surrendering to who he is. Establish who's in charge of my life. Who is the king of my life? Whenever I take my life and I come and I surrender before God and I'm saying, Lord, it's not about what I'm looking for. It's about what you're looking for in my life. So therefore, I submit to you. I surrender to you today. Who is in charge? And I believe that this is the biggest struggle of our life. We deal with this, and this is why we have to pray this every day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I'm submitting my will, my life to your kingdom to your power, to your will, to your plans. So how do we pray that? How do we practically pray this? Um, that's the next thought in your notes. How to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, the first thought here is exchange my plan for God's plan. I have to come in and exchange my plan for God's plan. So you have your plan. This is how I want to live my life. This is what I think ought to happen. This is the direction and and, and, and so I have to come and I have to exchange my plan. I give that to God, and then he gives me his plan. And as I'm able to, to surrender, I'm able to submit to God, I can understand that God has a plan for my life that's bigger than what I can see. As a matter of fact, I can only see this much of the plan. I can only see what's in front of me. I can see a small portion of what's happening. God has a much bigger perspective. And as I look, it, it, we start to understand that through God's perspective, He has a plan, and I exchange my plan. This is what I thought, God, but I really want what you want in my life. Um, it's a struggle. It's a daily struggle. We go back and forth and back and forth. Psalm 46.10 will really help us with that. And it says this, To be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big difference uh, from I'm going to manhandle my life. I've got this under control. I'm going to fix the situation. This is where we wrestle. He says to be still. And it's so easy to, uh, to, to not be still, isn't it? It's so easy to, to manhandle and strive and, and take life under my control. Um, here the word for be still is the word rafa. It's a Hebrew word, and it means to relax, to let go in his presence. To have that moment in his presence where I say, oh, Lord, you are God, and I'm trusting you. Stop striving. Uh, Psalm 46.10, another rendering says it like this. Stop striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And here, here's the concept here. Let go. Let go of the control. Relax. Oh, I'm in his presence. See, because life certainly has enough, enough situations that will stress us out. Life certainly has enough things that will just torment your mind. And you're gonna, there's enough things that you can't control that are just going to really get us upset. And so I have to come into Christ's presence and I say, I'm going to stop the striving. I am in your presence. Lord, not my will, but yours. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. God, change my life. I want your will. I want your kingdom in my life. And you know, some people will run to control. Whenever, whenever you have, uh, have things come up in your life and there, there's things that go wrong, 
uh, that's kind of the nature of a man, isn't it? We want to fix everything. And, and I've noticed that, uh, that, you know, when things happen in our house and in our family, I want to fix everything, right? And, and I've learned through the years that I just can't fix probably anything. <laughs> I've learned that uh, when things are going bad, and, you know, and there's, there's tears flowing in our house and different things like that, I'll come to my wife and I'll say, how can I help you? How can I fix this? And I want to solve the problem. And she goes, just stop. Just stop. You can't fix this. Why? Because I want to control, and I, I don't understand the process. And she, she may be experiencing something, and she'll just be crying, and I'll say, well, why are you crying? I don't know. I'm just crying, you know? As a man, we don't understand that, right? There has to be a reason, something that we can solve, that we can fix. But that's an area I can't control. I can't fix that. And then other people will go to the opposite. Instead of trying to control it and try to fix it, you know, I'm going to fix my life, I'm going to fix my wife, I'm going to fix my job, fix all these things. They go to the other extreme where they just kind of lay down. They just kind of quit. And I give up on life and... I'm just going to hibernate and I'll, I'll be on to myself. Well, God doesn't want us to do either of those. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to give up, not on life, but to give up on control and give up on our mechanisms to try and deal with that and come before Him and know that He is God. Be still. Stop striving and know that He is God. I have to exchange my plan for God's plan. If you want to have peace, you've got to stop the war. And we let God, God solves the war. We come to Him. I'm going to stop striving. And I let Him change my life. The next thought here is to be content with God's plan. Be content with God's plan. Um, you know, God has a plan for your life. And, uh, you know, it's like the, 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 the parent, and he has, he's, he's planning a family day. And he takes his teenagers out with him. And did you ever see that? You know, where, where the mom and dad are real happy, and, but the older teenager standing there like, yeah. I'm not going along with this today. And the hands are folded and they're kind of grumpy because they really didn't want to go along, but they surrendered and went along, but this isn't too fun. Don't be that type of person. Be the guy who comes and is content with God's plan. If he is your father, he's the almighty father. He has all the power. If he is your father, guess what? He is caring. He's loving. He's thinking about you. And he has a plan. Um, not that I speak. This is the Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says this, 4.11. Now that I speak, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I've learned to be content. And, you know, that's a key thought there that the Apostle Paul has even told us. He has to learn to be content. Now, if the Apostle Paul had to learn to be content, I think I need to learn to be content as well. Uh, the Apostle Paul lived both extremes. Look here in verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. He says, listen, I've lived both ends of the spectrum. I've had it good, and I've had it bad. I've had whenever times, times, are, times are rolling really, really good, and I've had when times are really, really bad. As a matter of fact, he's writing this letter from jail. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. You know, if I would have been the Apostle Paul, every time I went to the next town, I would have probably been a little bit more quiet, wouldn't I? <laughs> knowing that they're going to throw you in jail, knowing, knowing what's coming. And the Apostle Paul, he just kept going. He was praying, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Didn't Jesus pray that prayer? Jesus prayed the same prayer. He, he prayed to the Father. He said, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's not my will, but your will, Lord. That's what, that's what we're called to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my life. Um, and, and then he says, I found the secret. Look at the secret here. Here's the secret to it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can live with little. I can live with a lot. I can live with the challenges. I can take loss. I can take gain. I can take all these things. But I can only do it through the power of Christ. And so that is how we learn. We learn to do this. We learn to be content through the power of Christ. He is praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, the, the, the secret there of, of, is to be content. Be content in the power of Christ. Now, think about this. Here's a man. He's, uh, he's struggling with God's plan for his life. 
Maybe he feels like he's got a tug on his heart to be a missionary, to go overseas, to go do something for God. And, but he just looks at all the things that, uh, of life that he would like to keep in his civilian life before he becomes a missionary. And he's gone through this struggle. And when the man finally gives up his struggle and surrenders to what God has called him to do, his life begins to change. Doesn't mean that his life is, is happy-go-lucky and that there's no problems. It just means that God gives him a peace and he is able to deal with it because he's not fighting God's will. Um, how, how about the Garden of Eden? Jump back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, here's Adam and Eve. They're in the perfect world. God's given them everything. Uh, he, he's given them all the food that they want. They're in the perfect climate. Everything's wonderful. Walking and talking in fellowship with God. And here he comes and... Uh, and, and the, uh, the enemy comes and attacks, the, attacks them, tempts them, and they get tempted. And what happened there? They were not content with God's plan. God had a plan. I'm going to give you everything except here's one tree you can't eat of. And what did they do? They were no longer content. They weren't content with God's plan. They saw another option, and they said, well, I'm not content with what God said. That's where we live. We, we struggle with this every day. Am I going to be content with who God is? Am I going to be content with His plan in my life? Why is it that I think that I can run my life better than God? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's plan, serve me. One tree don't eat of. What does Adam and Eve do? They go and they take matters into their own hands. I'm, I'm reminded of a, a friend of ours. Rhonda and I have a, a friend of ours, a lady that she has, she's just went through everything. She has, her, her family just totally fell to pieces. Uh, several years ago, her husband uh, just went off the deep end and ran away. And all kind of crazy stuff happened there. And then she was giving a lot to her kids and then her kids' families, each one of her kids, adult children, their, their families blew up. And, and then she's even lost a child. And as, we, as we've talked to her, we've always seen her come back to thy kingdom come, thy will be done. She's, she's faced all kinds of challenges and, and she has had pain and she has shared with us the pain. But she said, at the end of the day, God is still in charge. And at the end of the day, I'm submitting to his plan for my life. The next thing is to give, God to your, give yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Uh, Matthew 16, 24 and 25. If anyone who desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give our life to God. And, and we, we surrender that control. And when we give ourselves to God, we stop counting the losses. You may have heard somebody say, well, I, won't I don't want to follow God because it means that I'll have to do this, this, and this. Well, that's not, that's not even, that's a misconception. You follow God, he doesn't say, here's a, here's a rule book, follow these rules. When you follow God, he begins to transform your life. And he gives us the power. It's a loving father who cares for you and develops you and he transforms your life. Stop counting the loss. Start counting the gain. Let's stop counting the losses in our life and start counting the gains. Because I'm following Christ. And as a follower of Christ, yes, my life will change. Yes, His will, it's, it's against mine. I'm surrendering to Him. But at the end of the day, I've gained eternal life. I've gained a relationship with God. I've gained peace. I've gained joy. I've gained all these things by His kingdom, by Him being the king of my life. Trust God's plan for your tomorrow. That's the next thought in your notes. Trust God's plan for your tomorrow. Um, the future is a daunting thing. We, we always, we want to make plans. We want to roll. But God says here to trust Him for His plan. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. First, he says to trust the Lord with all your heart. And as you trust the Lord with all your heart, when you see that word heart, that means your innermost being, uh, everything about you, you're giving your heart. You can't live without a heart. He Give your heart, everything about you. Trust the Lord with everything about you and rely on Him with everything in your being. He says, and do not lean on your own understanding. 
do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, that's my plans. When I'm leaning on my own understanding, that's my plans. That's the, the way I'm charting my course. Uh, that's the way I, I'm laying out my life. This is my plan. This is the way I'll go. And God says, don't lean on your own understanding. Uh, he takes it a step further. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, run it by God. Just keep coming back in. Lord, uh, what do you want me to do here? Give, this is a situation. I want your kingdom come. I want your will to be done. Um, <clears throat> and he will make your path straight. That's what he does. He'll put you back on the track. The track, we jump off the track because of these things that, that get us sidetracked. And he says, when we come to him and we submit to him, he takes us and he puts us right back on. And he makes our path straight. That is an awesome thing. Why is it that I think that I can do better with my life than God can do with my life? See, this isn't about a set of rules. It's about a relationship. It's about who he is. And when I pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'm really surrendering to who he is. Joy is not about getting things from God. Joy is really about God himself. And if we could just learn this, because this whole connection, our Father in heaven, I have a loving Father. He's got my best interest. He's thinking about me. He is Dad, the ultimate Dad, and He cares everything about you. He's not going to lead you in a, in a way that's going to destruct you. He, he's saying, follow me. It's not about this, this rules. It's about a relationship with the Father. Hallowed be your name. You're the great and awesome God of the universe. Pray your will. Your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done. So today I ask you, what area of your life do you need to surrender? There are areas of your life. Maybe it is, uh, it is in the area of finances. And there's things that you have to trust God in the financial area. And you have to stop striving. You have to stop stressing. You have to come before Him and trust Him. Uh, maybe there's areas of relationships, forgiveness, unforgiveness, issues. We have to go there. We have to say, okay, Lord, not my will, but your will. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Thy will be done, Lord. Um, how, about, how about today, what area of your life do you need to wave the white flag of surrender? You need to wave the white flag of surrender. As you came in today, you were handed just this small little white flag. I'd like for you to take that out right now. And I'd like for you just to hold that. And uh, as we close today, I'd like for you to think with me about what areas of your life do you need to come and give the surrender to the Lord? What areas of your life do you need to stop and say, Lord, not my will, but yours. Your kingdom come in this area of my life. Your will be done in this area of my life. I may, maybe it's something I mentioned today. Maybe it's something that hasn't been mentioned at all. But as you meet with God, and through this week, I, I'd like for you to take that home Put it in a place where you can think and just, just think, how can I pray that familiar phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What areas do I need to surrender of my life? Because you know, sometimes the things that we're the most familiar with are the things that we least do. And we're all so familiar with the Lord's Prayer. But maybe there's something deeper there that I'm supposed to surrender an area of my life. So as we close in prayer, I'd like to invite you to meet with the Lord this morning and deal with Him and, and ask Him. Because, listen, you're going to conquer one area. God will start to work in, in your life in one area, and then you're going to have to bring another area up. And then the next week, you have to bring another area up. And that's why we're supposed to pray this daily. Come before Him and meet with Him on a daily basis. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask you what area of your life needs to be surrendered to God. Maybe you're here and you've not, been, not settled the, the eternal life issue. You, Jesus came to die on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again from the dead. And he offers you eternal life if you will just surrender to him. Stop striving. Stop trying to earn your way into heaven. And just accept him you may have questions you may have doubts you may have all those things god says just begin with accepting me just trust me so if that's you this morning you'd like to trust the lord you'd like to 
settle the account of eternal life, I'd like to encourage you to just pray a prayer, something like this, quietly respond to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I surrender to you. I can't keep trying to do this on my own. I can't keep trying to, to, uh, to earn my way to heaven. I believe that you died on the cross and you came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my life now. And for others in this room, maybe there's some areas that God has been speaking to you about. This, we have this awesome, loving Father. He's the God of the universe. He has all power and all might. And He has a plan for your life. He has, all we have to do is trade that control of our life for His control. So this morning I ask you to meet with the Lord. What areas of surrender do you need to deal with? Father God, I come before you and I ask that you'll meet with, meet with us, Lord. We've come together. We've humbled ourselves. We've, uh, we've cleared our schedule. We want to be with you, Lord. And I ask this morning that you'll be with those that have just opened their hearts to receive Christ as their personal Savior. And I pray that you'll be with others that, that are dealing, Lord. That, will you meet with your people and allow us to come and wave the white flag of surrender in all areas of our life that you'll keep transforming us and, and, and keep moving in, in who you are and in your power. Lord, we want you to be the king of our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close our service. And as we sing this song, I'd like to invite you to come and kneel and pray. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. Let's surrender to God.
what a what a great great song what a great song and what a great job you guys did today wow i'm impressed well the lord is great amen, amen. what a wonderful day here in our church thank you pastor ken for that very excellent message that really uh, when Ken preaches, I write all over the place. I get more good notes from his preaching. And then when I go out and preach, I use his notes. You know, it's, it's a, it's a two-way street. You know, you learn from each other there. They said, where'd you get that? Oh, I just thought it up. <laughs> hey, when, you, when you're dismissed today, on the right side, the center door on the right side, there's a table. Uh, today, we're selling these tickets. It doesn't cost very much to come to the dessert theater. Uh, and so if you get your tickets early, you get better seats, you get to choose the seats in the auditorium for your friends. We're only going to do this three nights at Christmas, and so this place will be loaded with people. So I just want to encourage you, get your tickets. If you're, if you're prepared to do that today, go out and show them on the table there what seats you want. We have people sprinkled all over our church that gave their life to Christ in some musical program that we put on at the church because we not only sing the gospel we give the gospel and give people an opportunity to come to christ turn around shake hands with your friends today god bless you you're dismissed <laughs>